0: We are living in perilous times. Stories of war, terrorism, economic turmoil, political revolution, disease, earthquakes, and other natural disasters top the news headlines every day. All of it and more stokes fear and unrest in our hearts. Like every generation, ours wonders if these are the last days of planet Earth and if the return of Jesus Christ is imminent. Are we living in the last chapter of world history? The Bible's answer is yes but not for the reasons you might think. All of the New Testament writers agree that the last days began with the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, into the world. Whether these are the final days of the last days is another question altogether. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now.
1: That's Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And this is Something Good. Hi, my name is Brian. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, Jesus never shied away from questions about the end of the world. He answered them willingly and honestly. Today, Ron takes us to the revelation of Jesus Christ to explore some of these answers. It's all part of his continuing series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org. And now here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Are We Living in the Last Days? Apparently there's a Away in the orbital scheme
0: of Earth and Moon and Sun to where uh, they can be in an arrangement such that when the Sun shines, it casts this red hue on the Moon. It's called a blood moon. And when it happens as consecutively as it has over the last couple of years, and the times that it happens, happens to fall on the Jewish festivals in the fall and in the spring, that makes you step back and go, hmm. The prophecy talked about the moon turning to blood just before the day of the Lord. And so some have have maybe made too much of it, maybe too little of it, I don't know. But something, something related to celestial wonders will take place as we get closer and closer to the final days of the last days. You follow me so far? Here's a third characteristic found in the New Testament writings, and this has to do with an emerging apostasy. Let's now go to 1 Timothy chapter 4 where Paul writes, Now the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in latter times… Some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, Paul was concerned about this in the first century. He understood he was in the last times. He's writing this letter to a guy named Timothy, a young protege in the ministry. And, And Timothy is about to assume the pastorate at the church at Ephesus. He's a young pastor. Paul planted the church at Ephesus and uh, was there for about three years, and then he departed. And upon his departure, as he's talking to the elders on the seashore, as he's about to sail away, he, he talked about his concern about false teachers coming into the church. He writes to Timothy, and he says, he links it to latter times. He says, the Spirit says very pointedly that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. You know, the faith that Jude calls the faith that was once delivered to the saints. We refer to it often as orthodox Christianity, Uh, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his soon return. I mean, just orthodox teachings that have been with us for 2,000 years. Paul says, even dating back 2,000 years, some will depart from that. And he saw that departure. He saw false teachers as evidence that they were in the last times. In the last times, he goes on in 1 Timothy chapter 4 to give a little specific about the content of their false teaching. He says they forbid marriage and um, they, they talk about abstinence of foods, foods that God has given to all of us to enjoy. Interesting, I find that the false teaching relating to the latter times would have anything to do with marriage. And here we are in our time with the institution of marriage and the doctrines related to it viciously attacked by our culture from without and from false teaching from within. And I think we ain't seen nothing yet with regard to the perversion of marriage, that institution that God gave us back even in the book of Genesis. Uh, now go with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, because Paul goes on. We're talking about this emerging apostasy, this false teaching. He says, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. He says, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come, listen to this, unless the rebellion, the apostasy, comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Now Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica, and apparently there were some false teachers that entered into that church, and they were doing what a lot of people do today. We call them date setters. You know, people who who try to set a date for the return of Jesus Christ. I'm old enough to remember a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. You wouldn't believe the revision in 1989 that the guy had to do. Okay? And there have been people trying to, you know, predict and date set and and all that. Well, back 2,000 years ago, there there were some that entered the church of Thessalonica saying, the day of the Lord has already happened. It's already taken place. And people were bothered by this, and their hearts were in unrest. And and Paul says, hey, listen, don't, don't, don't be quickly shaken by this, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter or some slick speaker that comes by telling you this, because the day of the Lord will not take place until the apostasy or the rebellion takes place. Remember, the day of the Lord, different than just the last days, the day of the Lord, fast forward in Bible prophecy times to that specific seven-year period of time, Daniel's 70th week, Jacob's trouble, the tribulation period. He says that won't happen until the great apostasy takes place. And here's my my sense of why this great falling away will take place at the beginning of of the tribulation period, because the church is gone. I know there's a lot of debate, a lot of discussion, and I want to hold this loosely about the ordering of end times events, but I I believe the next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. And when the rapture of the church takes place, and the Holy Spirit is even lifted from this place, just imagine millions of people in the true church of Jesus Christ gone from this planet, and religious opportunists moving into that now empty religious structure. And they take the faith that was once delivered to all the saints and they pervert it completely, simultaneous to a figure known as the Antichrist, the man of sin or lawlessness that Paul refers to here, arising on this planet. My point is simply this, that as we're living in the last days, just expect a growing and emerging apostasy, a falling away from the faith, which begs the question, how do we as followers of Jesus Christ live during the last days? We have to stand firm on the faith that was once delivered to the saints and on the essentials of our faith, not to waver on that, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day, that, that he paid the penalty for our sins and that by grace and through faith alone are we saved and that he alone is the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but by him we need to stand firm on that here's a fourth characteristic and i would call this a growing skepticism second peter 3 Verses 3 and 4, the Apostle Peter now weighs in on the last days. He says, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Later, Jude chimes in, Jude chapter 1, 17 and 18. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Scoffers, mockers, people who mock the Word of God and those who deliver it. It's been happening for 2,000 years it's been happening for even longer than that. In fact, if you go into the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah's critics mocked him by saying, where is the, Lord, the word of the Lord? Let it now be fulfilled. The Israelites in Malachi's day put the Lord to the test and fatigued him when they said, where is the God of justice? Mocking the teachings of the prophets. Uh, their skepticism even parallels the, the, the mockery that was aimed at the prophet Ezekiel. They doubted that the judgment promised through Ezekiel's prophecies would come. They said, "The days go by and every vision comes to nothing." Tisk, tisk, tisk. Mock, mock, mock. Scoff, scoff, scoff. Skeptics. Skeptics that are really not honestly seeking the truth, but are just mocking. The truth. Bill Maher is perhaps one of today's uh, biggest scoffers of religion and Christianity. I mean, just a just a polluted mouth of scoffing and mocking of the things of the truth. He's supposedly a comedian and a political commentator, but. Uh, he recently said that uh, Noah and the Flood is a story, quote, about a psychotic mass murderer who gets away with it and his name is God. He goes on to mock, you know, conservatives are always going, about, going on about how Americans are losing their values and their morality. Well, maybe it's because you worship a guy who drowns babies. I mean, it's just the mockery, you know, in, in primetime cable television now. He even described Jesus as a, quote, Palestinian who walked on water and did magic tricks. I mean, n- none of it in an effort to seek the truth, but to mock it and to scoff at it. Don't be surprised by it. Don't, don't be surprised that, that people in the world mock your faith or, 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 or are skeptical in a way that it, that, that it puts it down. Uh, that'll just increase more and more. In fact, the anti-Christian sentiment is on the rise in our culture today, is it not? And the mockery and the scoffing and the uh, the skepticism that goes along with it. And that brings me to the fifth characteristic of the last days. And that's what I would call anti-Christian sentiment.
1: We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. To hear any of Ron's messages on demand, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, visit the Something Good Digital Library to find resources that will help you grow in your faith. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good only exists through the faithful prayer and financial support of listeners like you. Today, as you give... We'll give you access to download the complete series you're hearing now, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and the Return of Jesus Christ. That's Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and the Return of Jesus Christ. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message. Are we living in the last days? One more passage
0: of scripture. First John chapter two and verse 18. John the apostle writes, children it is the last hour. And as you have heard that antichrist is coming so now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. In in the Bible and in uh, Bible prophecy, antichrist is understood in a lower case A. Generally speaking, antichrist has come, John says, and many antichrists have come. Anti being opposed to or in the place of And when he says many antichrists have come, we're talking about many who have risen up in in opposition to the faith through their mockery or all kinds of different things. Uh, but, But the large capital A antichrist pictures that sentiment being embodied in a single person that the Bible describes as the man of lawlessness and the man of sin who comes upon the scene after the rapture of the church and takes the position in time as a world dictator during the tribulation period, not just influenced by the devil himself, but, but possessed by the devil himself. And we'll get into all of that as we study the book of Revelation. But have you not noticed the anti-Christ, anti-Christian sentiment that is on the rise, even in our Western civilizations where Judeo-Christian principles have had much Freedom of expression for long, long periods of time. That freedom of expression, if it's not being taken away directly and constitutionally, is certainly being challenged. And and in every way, uh, attempts are made to to silence the Christian voice in our culture today, suggesting that God has no place in the public square. Well, these are some, some daunting characteristics, are they not? And I started this message in this series by saying we live in perilous times, and we do, but we also live in very exciting times. When you understand how the last book of the Bible ends, Jesus Christ as the victor. Remember, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. He is the victor, He he is the winner, He, He is the final judge. And that's, that's an exciting thing to be a part of, as the bride of Christ and as followers of Jesus Christ, waiting for His return, waiting in anticipation, waiting in faith, uh, waiting uh, not with hands idle, but with hands busy about the business of His work and uh, winning people to faith in Christ and, and even warning the world around us, much like Noah did for a hundred years as he built the ark, uh, it, it was a... It was a poke in the eye to those who didn't believe, and, and it, was a, it was a sign of warning to the, the world around. And Jesus even talked about how, as, as we get closer and closer to the end of the age, that it will be like the days of Noah. And, and the, the ark is Jesus Christ himself, and we have the opportunity of sharing that message and inviting people to come inside because we, we know what the book says. Not vague, general kinds of prophecies, but specific ones. And did you know that the prophecies concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ are more numerous than the prophecies concerning the first? And part of the reason God gives us Bible prophecies is one to reveal Himself to us. Remember, He's the great revealer of secrets and mysteries. But also so that we have confidence in the Scriptures. When that confidence begins to, to erode, uh, boy, the apostasy is, is hard to control. Uh, but, but prophecy gives us confidence in the Scriptures because when we see with such meticulous detail how God has already fulfilled at least half of the prophecies made in Scripture. And if I didn't say it earlier, know this, that 25% of the Bible, when it was written, was prophetic in nature. It had to do with the future. Half of that has already been fulfilled in meticulous detail, giving us confidence that the rest of it will be fulfilled in meticulous detail as well, just as God said it would. And the standard he sets for himself is 100% accuracy. And so as we wait for the soon return of Jesus Christ, we wait being good students of the Bible, not backing away from this subject because it's controversial or difficult to understand or too mysterious to get our minds and our hearts around. No, we study it because God has revealed himself through the pages of Bible prophecy, and we study it to prepare our hearts for the soon return of Jesus Christ because we're a bride waiting for our heavenly groom to come. That's the picture of Scripture. And we don't know the day or the hour of his soon return. But Jesus said to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And he was using wedding imagery from that time in that culture, because in a Middle Eastern wedding, a groom, when he proposed and planned for it, he would leave and he'd go back to his father's house and he'd build on extra rooms. And then one day he would go back and he would get his bride and he would marry her and they would come back and live in his father's house again. That's John 14. And so we are the bride of Christ. We are waiting for his soon return. And our heavenly groom at a, a day or hour that neither the angels nor Jesus himself knows, only the father knows, he will come again and receive us unto himself that where I am, he says, there you may be also. We live with confident expectation in that promise. Yes, the world is spinning into chaos. Yes, the news headlines can cause a little bit of unrest in our hearts, but let's not, let's not fear, friends. Let's not be alarmed by any of this. Uh, let's study it well and let's have confidence that our Savior and our heavenly groom is on his way and, and be prepared uh, with our lamps well trimmed because he could come at the midnight hour when we least expect it. He says, I come like a thief and beware the thief who finds you naked, he says in the book of Revelation. Be clothed in the righteousness of Christ so that when the thief comes in the middle of the night, others who are not prepared, that that, their lack of preparedness doesn't befall you. And you, you get yourself prepared and clothed in the righteousness of Christ so the thief doesn't come while you are naked. You do that by coming to the cross of Christ and receiving forgiveness through him and being clothed in the righteousness of Christ and in the purity and beauty that is him and him alone. And I wanna encourage you, if you've never done that, if you've never come to that cross as a sinner who needs a savior, that today
1: is the day to do that. It's been said that every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. If you're listening today, And you do not yet know jesus christ as your lord and savior your future begins right now accept his free gift of salvation today ron that's really the purpose of biblical prophecy is it not to be used as a source of comfort and to lead people toward a relationship with jesus christ while there is still time you're exactly right brian you know prophecy was never intended to get us to try to predict the
0: day or the hour of christ's return In fact, the Lord himself, when he lived here on earth, did not know the answer to that one and neither do we. And it saddens me when some try to make those kinds of absolute determinations because that was never God's purposes for sharing his revelation with us. He offers these signs to us so that we might be encouraged to share our faith with others, uh, to point to the imminent return of Christ as we begin to see the signs that the end of the age is near. It is also His promise to us that He will come back and that we'll be reunited not only with Him, but with our loved ones who knew Jesus and who have gone on to be with Him. It's a great source of comfort to know He has made us a promise, because we see time and again in Scripture that He has made promises and kept them. And His return will be no different. He will come back. So it is our duty and our privilege to share Christ with others, to comfort one another with this revelation and to prepare ourselves for His return by living soberly and obediently in
1: the meantime. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts from his message, Are We Living in the Last Days? Ron, as we wrap things up here on Something Good Radio, what can you tell us about tomorrow's broadcast when you move ahead in your series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse? Sure thing, Brian. You know, when Christ came to earth, He emptied Himself and took on the
0: form of a servant. He he did not consider equality with God a thing to hold on to or to identify with, but instead became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now that's from Philippians chapter 2 and it tells us very clearly what Jesus gave up to save us from the penalty of sin and reconcile us together with Him. But the day is coming when He will give us what I call the big reveal. Uh, he will come again not as a man prepared to die for the sins of the world but as the king of kings and the lord of lords who will separate those who are his from those who are not and usher in a new heaven and a new earth in which he uh, the only begotten son of god and in fact god himself will reign and rule for all eternity i don't know about you brian but i'm looking forward to that day and that's where we're headed on tomorrow's broadcast So I invite you and all of our listeners to join us
1: for what promises to be a powerful look at the true identity of Jesus Christ. Join us then for Something Good as Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, The Big Reveal. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.